Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. You can be seated. If you got a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 10. I'll be there in a moment. I had, um, if you follow me on Insta, you know I had a bit of a fun, a fun week. If you don't follow me on Insta, what, what, what are you even doing? Like, what, what are you doing with your life? No, I don't. I, yeah, I did, you know, it's, it's, it's underscore Carl Thomas. Um, I'm a little spicier on Twitter, so you might want to avoid that one if you're easily offended. Um, you might want to avoid that one. But, um, uh, Josh, if we could get the lights, I have every light in the room in my eyes. It's like a train is coming down a tunnel at me at this very moment. So, so my wife and I, um, we are not, I, well, I'll speak for myself. I can't speak for my wife. I'm not young. All right. In case you weren't sure, in case you thought, man, pastor looks, man, he looks old for a 25 year old, right? It's because I'm not actually 25, right? Uh, I haven't been 25 in 27 years, right? So I'm, if you know what I'm saying. And so um, we went to, uh, uh, okay, so for those of you who are young, one day you're going to watch your favorite music is going to abandon the station that you listen to. Like whatever station you listen to on the radio, one day you're going to go there and it's not going to play any of the music that you want to hear. And you're going to have to look for new stations to play the music. And uh, at some point you're going to walk in like Target and they're going to be playing the songs that you listened to when you were 20. And you're like, I don't, why would this be? It's because you're old, right? That's what happened. It's because you have gotten old. And, 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 and the music that you used to jam to that would annoy your parents, um, they're going to call it a throwback at, at some day. Someday that your music's going to be a throwback. And you're going to be like, what, how do these people get so dumb to think that this music is throwback? It's because you're old, right? Again, it's because it's you're old, right? And uh, it's good to know uh, that you've aged. I don't mind aging. I have no problem with aging. I understand some people lie about their age. I got no problem uh, because God created me to age. And one day I'm going to be with the Lord and I'm looking forward to it. But, if, uh, but I'm going to date myself right now. My wife and I uh, went to the New Edition concert uh, in Miami. Yeah, come on, somebody. Yes. It had nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with Jesus, right? But, but I'm still saved. If you, grew up in a, if you grew up in a church where everybody had to lie about listening to secular music, be free. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, I'll tell you the joke. I was going to skip this joke, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Um, no, I'm not going to say it. It'll be just too bad. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Um, um, <laughs> uh, uh, hallelujah. Yeah. Anyways, so we're at, so, so I'm at the, uh, my wife and I are at ooh, the, the New Edition concert. It's, it's New Edition. It's, of course, Bobby Brown, Ralph Fredrant. Y'all know nothing about that. BBD, y'all know nothing about that. All right? Keith Sweat, who just tore the house down. Keith, it was just Keith Sweat and just singing your face off. You're just there, and Keith Sweat is just uh, uh, assaulting you with his voice. He's just, just killing it, right? And before him was, um, was Guy with Teddy Riley. Y'all know nothing about that. Before that was some dude named Tank. I didn't know, but he needed to put a shirt on. He needed a shirt up, right? Like, like we just, we'll walk, around the, we'll walk around the concourse till he puts a shirt on or until the next thing. We're just, shirt up, Tank, shirt up. Um, and so I'm in this concert, and uh, I, there was like um, me and about 200 guys, 
and about 15,000 middle-aged black women singing, right? And, and I tell you, it was like the best choir you've ever been in your life. People were grooving in this thing. It was like the whole time it was a sing-along. And I felt totally like in my, I like, I'm like, I am, I am love me and the, and the 200 guys and the 15,000 women were just singing. Middle-aged women with t-shirts that said Candy Girl, right? Because that was a song way back in 19, I don't know, 78 or something like that. New edition, this is funny. You're like, what does this have to do with Jesus? I'm Christian. Jesus is in me, so it has something to do with Jesus, all right? So, 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 come on, somebody. So back in 1978, New Edition came to Pine Grove. During the lunch, at lunch hour to promote their album, I was there. I was, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe 79. Anyways, so I've been, a, I've been a fan for a minute. But I'm there in the midst of this crowd, and everybody is, um, because they're about my age, they're singing songs that were like at the peak of their life, right? Like the greatest songs in, from their early 20s. Uh, the guy and, and Keith Sweat and like the, the like the, they say um, between 17 and 25, you have the majority of the firsts in your life. The, and so when you look back as you get older, you look back on about 17 to 25 because you probably got your first job. You graduated. You got your maybe your first real, real love. You do you, you, so many firsts. You move out of your parents house. There's all these firsts. So our memories are kind of tied to that time period, right? And so a lot of people look back on the good old days because that was the time that they were still experiencing new things. As we get older, we just kind of sleepwalk through life and life happens to us and we start doing the same old things instead of leaning into doing the new thing. That's why they say you can't teach an old dog new trick because they learn something, they're done. Right. And what we want to do is we want to continue to learn and grow. So I'm in a I'm in an an arena with a majority of people who are singing songs about the best times of their life. And you could see them transported back to that moment, back to the moment that life was still ahead of them, where life still could be great. Life still you could be amazing. You don't know what's going to happen. So they were they were filled with hope. And, and I just stood there, as, as carnal as it sounds, I just stood there, and I just stood in the moment, and I said, Holy Spirit, help me understand what I'm experiencing right now. Because I am a Christian. Everything that happens in my life happens for a reason. And the Spirit of God is communicating to me because I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I hear the Lord. And so I'm in there, and there's all these people in unison, and I'm beginning to feel something. I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's not the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying I'm having a spiritual experience. And it wasn't a demonic experience by any stretch. It was an experience. Though. And what I was experiencing was the human experience. The human experience of collectivism. The human experience of unity. For a moment, there weren't Democrats and Republicans. There weren't rich and poor. There weren't people with disability and people who were able-bodied. There weren't arguments about sexuality or orientation. There weren't arguments about legislation on medications and there, there, there wasn't any of that there were people who were in one moment decided we are going to join together and just rejoice and in that moment that was half of the enjoyment of the concert so many people deconstruct their faith uh, who were in high pressure cults and um 
And these high-pressure cults will make people do things in unison because they understand the power of the human experience in collectivity. And they'll say, you know, I went to a Coldplay concert and experienced the same thing. That's because the Holy Ghost wasn't involved in the controlling church that they were in. It was just the human experience being experienced together. And see, we're all created to be a part of community. Let me say that again. We're all created to be part of healthy community. Not all communities are healthy. So we're all, in that moment in time, it was a safe place to express express your joy. Because nobody was going to mock you for being in joy. And safe communities are communities in that such that people encourage one another, that people rejoice with one another, that people meet one another's needs, that people come together. And this is what we see Jesus came to accomplish on the earth, not just human collectivism, but to bring people into the household of God. And I think about my own life. And again, this isn't a service about me and my experience, but I am speaking and I have a real relationship with Jesus that reflects in my preaching. And I remember being raised in a from a single mother uh, with no male role models in my life. And I remember uh, having to wear a tie one day and having no idea how to tie a tie. And I remember back in the day when they actually used to print magazines, way back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. And I had a, I had a subscription to GQ magazine because GQ magazine taught people how to be men. What men dress like in these days, what the stylish men do and these things. And, and I had, a, I had a, um, uh, one episode or excuse me, one um, yeah, whatever. One one magazine, right, that came out. You know the word. I'll think of it later when I get home, and I'll be like, and I'll text you all. <laughs> one magazine that they put out had a whole section on different tie knots. And so I remember looking at this magazine, tying, tying my tie, thinking, man, I'm so great that I have this resource. At the same point, my father really should have taught me this. There should have been a man in my life to teach me this. I should have, without even recognizing it, I was longing for community. I didn't know it. I didn't know that's what I was missing, but I knew that I was on my own and I didn't like it, yet I was proud of the fact that I did it on my own, yet I still felt unnerving because we're created to be a part of healthy community. And, 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 and as I stand here, I begin to think about the people in my life and I would put before you today, is life what you thought it would be? What did you think this life would be like? My wife and I will sit in bed at night, having been married 20 some, some years, um, mid 20s, early 20s. Um, I don't know exactly, but um, I'm at that point, uh, almost quarter century, we'll say. Um, and, and, and we'll talk and we'll say, you know, like we'll make a joke to each other. We're like, it's been a wild ride, huh? You'd be like, it's been a wild ride. Like, because you didn't know what you're signing up for. You, you hit your life to someone else. You do not know what you're signing up for. You have no idea what life is going to. You're like, you have all these plans. And like the joke goes, you know, you tell God your plans and God laughs. Right. And we think we know what's going to happen. And, 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 and we don't. I, I thought life would be a certain way, but it isn't. And, and but what I have found is. If there isn't a healthy community speaking into your future. You could be a part of a community, but separate from it. If you're not part of healthy community with fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and uncles and aunts and older people and younger people, 
you just got to kind of, you think that you just come up with your own way of life. You think that you're coming up with your own plan, not recognizing that there is a wider culture that is giving you an identity, that's giving you goals, that tells you what's important and what's not important. Without recognizing it, there are people in New York and L.A. who are putting together marketing campaigns right now to dictate what it is you long for. None of you picked your shoes because you went online and you decided you're going to design a new type of shoe. Somebody, somewhere, designed that shoe and marketed it for you to want it. Not one of us made our, well, except for Mikey here, none of us made our own clothes. But even as you make your own clothes, you're going to make it like what's in style right now. Who decided what's in style? The people selling clothes. And so then I think about children. I remember having our first child in the hospital and them telling us, you have to go home today. And I'm like, today? Like, we're taking him home today? Like, why would you send a child home with me? What, what makes you think I know how to raise a child? Like, do you know me? Do you, have you seen how my wife and I fight? No person in their right mind would send a child home with us. What are you doing here? And they're like, no, you got to go home now. We're like, one more day maybe? And they're like, no, go home now. We're like, wow, we better figure this out. And so as you're a parent and you take that child home for the first day, you gotta, you're like, how do I keep this kid alive? Like, i got to keep a human alive. How do I keep this human? Any parents know what I'm talking about? you got to figure out how to keep this human alive. But not only do you have to figure out how to take care of this child, have we even put thought into how we get this kid where we want this kid to be 20 years down the road? Because I'm not living for my kid to be a good third grader. I'm not living for my kid to be a good fifth grader. I'm not living for my kid to be a good middle schooler. I'm trying to raise a healthy adult. I'm trying to teach my child how to make good choices, not superimpose my beliefs onto them, but to, put, but to give them a worldview in which they would want to choose good choices, including to be part of the kingdom of God. Is anybody with me here? And last week, we talked about how South Florida has a vision for your life. We talked about how Boca Raton is constantly inundating you with what is valuable and what is not. We talked last week about how, uh, how, how it, you have to come up to this standard of, of wealth, the standard of beauty, and the vanity that comes from South Florida. And if you are not aware of it, you will be conformed to this world even as a believer instead of allowing your life to be formed by the word of God. Let me tell you this. You may have had a dream for your life. You may have had some goals and you may be old enough to recognize those goals aren't going to happen. You, you may be old enough now or you say, man, I really wanted this to happen in my life, but now I recognize that's already passed. Some of you are already at this because at 20, you were going to be this and 25, you were going to be that and 20 and you're already 28. And neither of those things have happened. And you sit around thinking, what, what did I get wrong? What did I do wrong? And I would humbly submit to you, your plans were not God's plans. God actually has plans for you. And the longer you wait to fully get God's plans, the more disappointment you're going to walk in. However, if you decide today to surrender your plans to God, then you get the dreams of God for your life. And then you get to watch His plans unfold. This is what we're calling the life, the life, the life that Jesus has for you. Are you breathing? Are you awake right now? All right. I just need to hear it. I just need to make sure we're going to talk about this in John chapter 10. And I am 
I say this all the time, but I am actually going to preach briefly today because I'm, we're going to have a water baptism. And so here's what's going to happen. At some point, if you've been through the baptism class, you know who you are. You went through the baptism class. You did the reading you were supposed to do. Uh, you've, we've talked, you've talked with Pastor Tracy. You know who you are. At some point, I'm going to dismiss you, and then you're going to leave and go get changed if you're not changed already. Uh, and then you're going to meet in that room right there, right? Our, our multi-purpose room, which is also my wife's counseling office. Uh, and then at the end of service, we're going to sing a song while they're getting ready. And then the baptismal candidates are going to line up right here, and I'm going to question them and make sure that they plan to be Christians and follow Jesus. After that, I would love you to come forward, everybody, and gather around as we watch these people get water baptized. Are you good with that? Yeah. All right, amen. So starting in John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Jesus is speaking here. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Hear, me, hear this part. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's read that verse 10 together again. The thief comes only to steal. And when we do that, we're all going to say it out loud. Like we're going to say the words out there. And while I'm saying those words, you're going to say the words. We're all going to say, and then we'll say it together like in unity. All right. That's like, that's how that works. It's like, it's like doing the pledge in elementary school, but less weird. All right. Ready? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Good job. Good job. It felt like I was at the concert, but not the same, right? Not the same. It smells far less like weed in here than it did at the concert. And all God's people said, amen. So John, of course, the writer of this was the son of Zebedee. He was a brother of James. And we know that, that John was writing to the Greco-Romans. These were Romans who uh, were Greek in nature uh, part of the Roman Empire, and uh, they worshipped wisdom and knowledge. That was uh, the, 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 the Greco-Romans had this goal of achieving ultimate knowledge. They thought the ultimate truth and wisdom could be found. And John was writing to these people, and they called this ultimate truth and ultimate wisdom the Logos. The Logos to them was the ultimate source of all truth in knowledge. Now, in the other Gospels, Jesus, they kind of tell the story of Jesus and they call him the Christ at the end of the story. We're talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. In those Gospels, Jesus is revealed as the Messiah, as the Christ, kind of at the end. But in John, he tells it right from the beginning. 
At the very beginning of the Gospel of John, he starts telling them about how he was from the beginning and that all things were created through him. John is not burying the lead at the very beginning. He wants you to know that Jesus is the cosmic leader of the universe. And he says, everything that you have been looking for, John says in his Gospel, is, in, is revealed in Christ Jesus. The logos, in the, in the, the Greek word logos in English is called the word. Logos is the word. And John is doing this little play on word saying this logos, this word you've been looking for, he is Jesus. You think you've been searching a concept, something that you can't quite grasp or understand or see, some sort of philosophy, some sort of teaching, some sort of scholarship, maybe found in stoicism, but no, no, no. This is actually a word and that word became flesh. Not just a concept, but it is a flesh. It is a, it is a, it is a God-man. It is Jesus, he's trying to tell these Greco-Romans. And he's trying to tell them that Jesus Christ is the fully divine Son of God who existed before creation, and He is the personified love of God. As if God's love somehow came to earth, put on flesh, and walked around in complete knowledge and complete wisdom. And John tells this, heavenly king of love who came down to rescue his people. Now, the majority of the book of John is written in just the last couple weeks of Jesus' life where Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell a lot of the other story. John is almost entirely uh, focused on the passion and like the week or two before the passion. But as we read this and as we read the Bible and as we come to church and as we sing the songs, we have to recognize that faith in Jesus, it's not like picking a football team. It's not like picking a political candidate or, 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 or your favorite brand of car. It is a new way of living. It's not just, oh, I'm, you say that you're from, uh, from New York and you say you're from California. I'm from Florida. No, this is, this is an identity that we put on and we, and we choose to live. And it also is a new source of hope. It is a new source of hope. In, in today's passage, Jesus is um, he's comparing the kingdom of God, as we talked about, to a, to a whole new world. He talks about this kingdom as, as a walled-in garden. He's, he's telling them, listen, you were born into this world like I was, alone, figuring things out, trying to come up with your own plan. But, but those, Jesus is saying, those who come in, who are born again, you're born again into a, into a new pasture. You were out there on the world on your own, but now you've come into a, a new pasture, a new community with a new shepherd. Uh, there's, in, the, in, the, in the world of the Bible, there would be these walled gardens, uh, and these walled areas were connected to a house. And, and in this story, as we're, as we're reading about this, we see this, um, this building is connected to, uh, that's a sheep pen. They would keep sheep within this wall, and, and Jesus is warning us and he's giving us a reassurance as well. It's important that when people talk to us, we get both sides of the story. I want to know, I want to know the benefits. I also want to know the dangers. I want to know what's in it for me for good. I also want to know what could go wrong, right? I, I want to know when I do an investment, how much I could make, but I also want to know what I could lose. And Jesus tells both. He's giving us both an assurance and he's giving us a warning. He, he warns us about thieves that are coming to steal sheep from Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus 
warns us about thieves coming to steal your faith. Now, now, for those of you who feel called to ministry, be it I want to be a small group leader, I want to be a worship leader, or those who feel like God has called you to vocational ministry, that you are to make your living from the church, I want you to hear me very clearly. People will not want to follow God at some point, and they will blame you. People will choose in their heart that they no longer want to follow God, and they will say that you did something wrong to cause them to walk away from the faith. We hear it today a lot in social media. It's become very popular to blame church leaders for people losing their faith. And what generally happens is when someone's faith is sinking, they want to drag somebody down with them, and they want to drag, the enemy wants to drag whoever can drag the most people down with them. And so you will go into ministry and do your level best to lead people to Jesus. Someone will decide, I don't want to live within the pasture of God anymore, and they will blame you for their wanting to walk away. And so when you go into ministry, man, it is the ministry is the most glorious calling in the world. And we're all called to some level of ministry. Say amen. We're all called to be witnesses for Jesus. But at the same point, the more you have committed to do that, the more you have made yourself a target for those who hate God. Hear me. People will not want to follow God and they'll blame you. Jesus has a term for these people. Thieves. In this scripture, he calls them thieves. Why would he call them thieves? Because they, they never would come out in the open and say, you know, I just don't feel like following God anymore. I just kind of want to do my own thing. I understand God's way of doing things is where life is, but I don't really want to do that anymore. And so they blame someone else and they then, they don't go to the pastor. They don't go to the worship leader. They don't go to the small group leader. Nope. They go around and try to steal more of the sheep. They call you up to gossip. They want to sow their deceit into your heart. Hear me. Jesus calls them thieves. They, start, they, they, don't, they don't bring accusations either. They start asking questions. They'll ask these little questions. Hey, have, have you seen Duke? Yeah, man. No. You know, Duke's there. He's the head usher and, you know, he's building a, building a men's ministry. But you notice that he don't look happy at, at worship here? No, yeah, I don't. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just noticed that he's not really worshiping. Like, you, you really? Like, is that, is that who pastors should put in charge of that kind of ministry? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. But, you know, do you really think he's a Christ follower? This is, this is, what, this is what people do. This is what people do. And you've got to be smart enough to hear these things. They won't talk to Duke about it. And you need to learn to be part of a healthy community and say, did you talk to Duke about that? Well, I'm sorry, I don't want to gossip with you. Because that would make me a thief. Listen, listen, some of our families, you're going to have the most difficult times in your families because your aunt wants to call you and talk about your cousin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got some family drama? And part of you wants to just help your aunt out a little bit, but part of you is like, I am tired of being mixed up in this drama. And you need to just be like, hey, how about we do, a, you ought to just do, you, uh, you know what, I'm going to hang up right now, and let's do a group text right now, and we can all talk. Click. How y'all doing? That's your opportunity right now. If you can't say it to them, don't say it to me. You, you hear what I'm telling you? Watch this, watch this. So they, they don't want to come in and pastor people through the front door like Jesus says. 
See, these, these pens, they were like walled-in gardens connected to a house. And the shepherd lived in the house. And he's like, listen, your shepherd will come in through the front door. He'll come into the pen from the house and take care of the sheep. But these pens, don't want, they don't want to come in through the pastor. They don't want to come in through the leader. They want to come in some other sort of way. And Jesus talks very clearly about this. John 10.1, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, thief, robber. Ugh. Can you imagine if Jesus called you a thief? Ouch. That's not, that's not the testimony I'm looking for. Why am I telling you this? Am I mad at somebody? No. I have just seen too many people have their faith stolen by thieves who do not have enough character to go through the door. And I have had too many people in my church that did not have the wisdom to come and talk to me about it. And so their faith was shipwrecked. And, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sad. I talked to you a couple weeks ago about testing our fruit. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. For me, that's bad fruit in my ministry. And so we're doing things a little different today. We're going to baptize a little different today. Why? Because you don't just get to get dunked and just woo, you got wet. No. So, so, so there's this theological bankruptcy that some of, some of us walk in. And we don't recognize that we don't know what we don't know. You don't know what you don't know. But once you know something, you're accountable for it. Amen? That, that's what the Bible says. And so, so in many churches, like the whole goal of the church service is adrenaline. I want to get you excited at the beginning. Going to get you excited during the message, and we're going to leave with you excited. And you walk out one day, and you're like, "Woo, that was great!" And someone's like, "What was great?" You're like, "I don't know, but it was great. It was just so, so good." Like, "What, what, what about it?" You're like, "I don't know, man, but it was great." Like, "Okay, okay." So, how did you grow? Ball, mm, no meat on the bones, no meat on the bones. Eating cotton candy at the fair, right? It's just, it's, it's all about. Hype, no, no, no meat on the bones. And, and we, 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 don't, we want to learn of God, amen? And, and slow growth is good growth, amen? Slow growth is good growth. Watch this verse, Proverbs 6, 16. It says, there are six things that the Lord, what's that word say? Oh, that's strong, right? Six things the Lord hates, seven things that are? Wow, that's like broccoli. And Brussels sprouts. There are six things that the Lord thinks are like Brussels sprouts. And seven things that are like broccoli to him. God hates them. They're terrible things that your wife makes anyways all the time. Verse 17. Verse 17. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick, quick to rush to evil. That's, that's people who are more than happy to gossip with you. A false witness who pours out lies. Verse 19, a false witness that pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Jesus hates these things and he finds them detestable. Jesus hates these things and he finds them detestable. And I, um, why? Because we are created to be in community. And because those people feel like they should be a little bit more important in the community, they destroy communities to create their own. 
And you need to be strong enough to tell these people, brother, sister, I love you. I see what your ego is doing to you. I understand life has been easy and you think you should be at the top, but you need to humble yourself because you're living against the word of God. Now, don't say that to your aunt, right? That would not work out well. Don't tell your aunt, you know, I, you're, you're, you're away from God. I don't know if you know this, aunt, but this is detestable to the Lord. And it's like broccoli. And she'll be like, what are you talking about broccoli? I don't remember. My pastor said it. It just has to be true. I don't do that. Don't do that. But you need to do that for you because you're the one who understands it. So you need to lovingly redirect conversations towards reconciliation. Does that make sense? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. And we're watching him destroy marriages. We're watching him destroy families. We're watching him destroy our country with just wicked schemes. And, and, and there's deceiving voices that are happening in our country. And for those of you who are prophetic, the real prophets that I know and trust say we're in for about nine more years of calamity in this country. And I'm not a doomer. I think in the end, things are going to be glorious. But we're in for some rocky times. We're in for some rocky times. You're like, oh, I'm not, I don't, I'm, that's not what, that doesn't mean you personally, but our country collectively has got some issues. Can anybody say amen? Too many liars are being leave, believed, amen? And they're being exposed, and, and, and in their being exposed, people don't care, which is even weirder. That's even weirder. I don't want to go down that road, Carl. It's a baptism Sunday. We're going to keep it clean. Here we go. But I want you to know this. Why do I tell you these voices, these things about what God hates and what's detestable and the thieves and the... And the because we, we come into church and we just act a little different, and that's not what God is looking for. Put it up for me, Josh. The Lord is, uh, Jesus did not come to overhaul your old life. He came to give you new life. He didn't come to overhaul the old. He came to give you new. He didn't come to add, like, your life is great, and I'm just going to add a little bit of my spice to it. That, that's, 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 not, that's not what he came for. He came to give us a whole new way of living. 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. You see, this new spiritual life is completely foreign. Why would me giving money to God help my finances? Because that's how the kingdom works. Why would I serve at church for free? Why? Because when you give your life to God, you sanctify the rest of your life. The rest is blessed. The Bible says when you give the first portion to God, the remainder is blessed. And if you want the remainder blessed, you better give the first to God. So you come and you serve God on Sunday so the rest of your week can be blessed. Amen? Is that there's a spiritual thing to this. There is, a, there is a spiritual aspect to this. I had a divine appointment with somebody this week, and it was, it was just such a, a beautiful divine appointment. He had gotten saved a, a while ago, and now he's not really walking with God. And um, he was, um, I'm, I'm just talking about Jesus, talking about him recommitting his life. And he said, you know, it's, it's really funny. I, I noticed something. We're talking about um, his business. And he's like, I, I, I hire people who don't, other people don't hire, and I just like to, to help them out. And he's like, I feel, I feel good when I do that. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. He's like, I, I, I do these things for these people, and, and, and things do better. I said, well, let me help you out with this. Let me, let me share with you what's going on. You see, since you, com you committed your life to Jesus, and you were baptized into the church of Jesus Christ, when you sow into other people, you experience the grace of God. 
But as you begin to help those around you, you begin to experience the grace of God. And God blesses your life because you're blessing other people's life. He goes, yeah, I make more money when I'm helping people that I shouldn't necessarily be helping who don't have the experience, but I help them. And then all of a sudden I'm making more money. I said, yes, that is how the kingdom of God works. Amen. See, the world will call it karma. They'll call it karma. They'll call it, they have all these words, but it's, it is a law of God. And whoever gets involved in it will be blessed. God, God, he has to keep his word. He cannot lie. And so if you keep that word and you begin to bless people around you, God will bless you. This is, this is how it works. And so you come and you serve the church of Jesus Christ, then God begins to bless your life in ways that you couldn't imagine. But people don't understand that. Because spiritual things are apprised spiritually. you got to have the spirit to understand these spiritual things. Amen? Here's what the Bible says, you know. He says, says oh, Jesus. No, let me, oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let, let me say this. People don't understand the things of God until they met him. And so people will like, oh, it's, it's, it's feng shui. It's, it's, it's karma. It's, it's like, let me introduce you to the one who actually started all this. And, and, he, and he can explain this to you in ways you, you, you can't really understand. I had a young man call me this week, and um, he's having um, uh, ongoing dialogue with someone who wants to commit their life to Jesus, but they have kind of these things in their lives that are what we would consider not necessarily in line with God's best for that person. And he's like, this person, they're not, they they're not going to give that up in order to become a Christian. I was like, well, sh show me the Bible where it says you've got to get right before you get saved. That, that's, that ain't how it works. You've you got to stop being the Jesus' gatekeeper. He, he don't need a bodyguard. Jesus don't need a, he, he don't need a bodyguard. He, 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 he don't need a security guard. He, he don't need a press room. You're not, you're not the doorkeeper to the green room that Jesus is in. What you need to do is get them to Jesus. Because Jesus will take care of all that. My Bible says the goodness of God leads people to repentance. And they have not experienced the goodness. All they experience is your rules. That ain't the goodness of God. And not for nothing, you, 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 you ain't, you, you, you ain't that, that ain't, I mean, you, you, you love Jesus and he's in you, but you ain't him, right? Like you, I understand you're trying to be like him, but it, it, so what you need to do is pass him off to Jesus and let Jesus begin to operate in this person's life so they can experience the goodness of God and recognize what I was getting out of this thing is actually found even better in Jesus. Amen. All life comes from God. And when we come into this new life, we need to leave the old life. We leave the old life, we come into this new life in God, and, 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 and thieves, the Bible is telling us, the story is how they take life. The thieves, they destroy life. But we, as the healthy community of God, we offer life. The enemy is, fainting, is painting a false life. And, and we have to point people to the true shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus has a life for us to live, and we have to choose to be his sheep. That's a choice you have to make. It's a choice we have to make. And I want to show you very briefly, and then we're going to have a water baptism, uh, how we're going to build this community moving forward. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Uh, we, see, uh, uh, we, see, we see some scripture here, and I want, to, I want to point this out. It says, so when those who had received his word, this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, when those have received his word were baptized, that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were constantly devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, fellowship, breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. 
This is a bit of a mea culpa for me, right? So when I read that scripture my entire life, for me, the one that jumped off is signs and wonders. Signs and wonders in the sense of awe. This presence of God and the miraculous that I have seen. My, my mother uh, has just, she's just conquered cancer, but the, um, the chemo has really done a thing in her heart. So she's in the hospital and she's fighting for strength. And I'm sitting in the hospital with my mother thinking of all the people I have personally seen miraculously healed, yet my mom is here struggling. And I, I don't understand that paradigm exactly, but I, I believe, I believe in the supernatural signs and wonders. When I got saved, I knew God had called me to this ministry of signs and wonders and healing, prophecy, seeing lives radically changed. And so when I began ministering, that was the center of my ministry. I'm going to get you baptized in the Holy Ghost, get you moving in signs and wonders. And to some of us, they're like, yeah, that's what it's all about. And to that, I would say it is part of what it is all about. Also, what I found out was there's people who do not know what is going on, who have a shallow theological reference, can operate in signs and wonders and start cults. There are a lot of cult leaders who have all kind of signs and wonders. In, in, in the, in the, in the, it's filled with division. There's always backbiting. There's always fear. There's control. Why? Because there's something else at work. There was not a, a, a solid foundation built. And so as I read this scripture, as I was preparing for baptism this week, and in the lectionary, these are the scriptures that came up. And let me tell you, God, like, I, I, I cannot tell you the levels that God operates on. I don't just sit here and uh, just come up with a subject and then find verses to fit in the subject. I preach the lectionary every week, and these are the scriptures for the lectionary. And this happens to be the day we're doing water baptism. And this is what I'm about to teach you is what we're going to do going forward. This is, I'm pretty excited about this. The first thing we see, first graphic if you would please, Josh. The first thing that we see is we see this community of believers. Peter stood up and preached the gospel. And he told these people, you have to receive Jesus Christ as Lord over your life. You have to learn what it means to have faith in God and put your trust in Jesus. You cannot rush into this. This is not a, a quick second. For some people, you have been, like, what I have found is when people get radically saved out of nowhere, it really has been taking a while. For a while, God has been drawing you, but you didn't know what it was. For a while, you knew that there was something out there and you were longing for it. And then all of a sudden, one day, you heard a message and it made sense. And you said, this is it. There's people who were, you read your Bible for years and then one day you read it and it made sense. And it's like, all of a sudden, on June 3rd of 2021, I recognize that Jesus is Lord. But the truth is, you, it took a while to get to that place. And we can't rush that because there is a birthing process towards salvation. If we rush people through that in, in time, we have a premature birth. And what we happen is a baby that cannot sustain itself. And so people are rushed into a salvation. They're forced into a decision. They're not ready to make. They have not actually put their trust in Jesus. They've not actually put their faith in Christ. I'm not saying if you go out there with a the script, don't do it anymore. That may be a waypoint on people's uh, birthing track. But uh, it, when people put their faith in Jesus Christ and decide I'm going to lay down my old life and live a new life, now we have a community of believers. We see here in, in verse 41, so then those who had received his word, this is the teaching of Peter to Jews who had studied the Bible their whole life. Peter made sense of it in the presence of Holy Spirit. He said, when those, so then those who had received his word 
were baptized. And that day, there were about 3,000 added souls. Not 3,000 people decided to pray the prayer. Not 3,000 people came to church. People who had made a decision they're going to be Christ followers in the midst of a community that was murdering Christ followers. They decided on that day, I am going to publicly identify as a Christian. I'm going to lay down my old life in the waters of baptism. And so what we have seen in the past in outreaches and in evangelistic works, come forward right now. I know you don't feel like it. Come forward, get water baptized, and be saved. And so in church, in the adrenaline-driven church, water baptism is some sort of graduation into salvation. That's the end of the row. You've been coming to church. You're ready to become a Christian. You know, you're not, you don't know what it means exactly. We'll come into the water. You'll get wet, and now we're done. Now you're done. Go invite people to church. When really, historically in the church, this is now you are part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's time to be discipled. Now it's time to grow in the faith. Because you just did the very first thing they told you you're supposed to do. You're like, oh, I've been saved for years. When did you get water baptized? Never did. Okay, when are you going to start following Jesus? I've been following my whole life. Mm, Bible says be saved and get water baptized. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved if you have not been water baptized. But at some point, you have to begin laying down your life and follow Jesus. So we see here in the Bible, they were added when the 3,000 were water baptized. I'm sure many, many, many more heard the message. Many, many more believed the message because they were watching miracles in front of them. 3,000 of them decided to be added to the church. You see the difference? Now, don't anybody go anywhere. If you're going to be water baptized at this point, I want you to go get ready that you're going to meet Pastor Tracy in that room right there. If you have gone to the class and you're ready, okay? Try to be quiet about it. Try not to make too much noise because I'm still going to be preaching. And people I know want to hear the rest of this. So here we have this healthy community as the foundation of what the church is, right? Next graphic, if you would, please. The next thing we see is discipleship. The people who get discipled are people who are part of the church of Jesus Christ. Those who have decided to be followers of Jesus. Discipleship is coming into the rhythm of Christian living. Now, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, there's a rhythm to this walk. Have you noticed that? And when you're really following God, you're in that rhythm. You're praying at regular times. You're attending church. You're studying the word. You get into the rhythm of faith. You're giving. You're setting up your finances. You come into the rhythm of faith. You, you had an old life where you just did whatever felt like doing. You, you kind of lived however things were going to go. But, but, but when you become a Christian... You, you, you start finding there's a new rhythm. And sometimes when you disciple people, I know Duke and I have talked about this, you disciple people and they just, they don't serve, they don't, they don't come, they don't, you're like, what is, well, they haven't developed a new rhythm because they haven't actually laid down their old life. What I have found is there's a, there's a rhythm of being a Christian. And watch this, it says, verse 42, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. So once you become a Christian, now all of a sudden you want to grow in Christ. And so you begin learning. I, 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 I'm only going to say this once. I don't want to lament. But of all the problems I have had in ministry, 
the greatest problems I have had with people were people who refused to learn. People who thought they knew everything there was to know. And might I add, these were the least educated people I ever discipled. The people who refused to learn, but continue to grow in favor. And out of their ignorance, they hurt the people around them. And I feel bad because I know there is a day of judgment coming. I, I know. And I, I pray all the time that they will repent because I will bear witness on the great day that they split a church. I, as the one who has to answer for their soul, I will have to say, I warned them. My hands are clean. I begged them not to do this. And yet in their ignorance, they would not learn. But as we become a Christian, man, we, 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 we have to grow in these graces, in these rhythms. It has to be, we're building a, a healthy house. So we have this community, and then we begin growing in, growing in the Lord. Here's what's funny. Put, put up this verse. We have a men's chat. If you're, if you're a dude and you want to grow in Jesus, uh, wave your hand, Duke. Get with Duke. He'll put you in our WhatsApp chat. We kind of encourage one another with Scripture. The Lord spoke this scripture to me this week, and this was for men specifically. Watch this, Proverbs 9. He says, don't reprove a scoffer who'll hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. Teach the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So when you come into Christ and you have this humility, I have something to learn. And Duke, I remember Duke and I, this is funny, I keep bringing you up, Duke, I don't know why, but I do love you. I'll talk about Joe instead. <laughs> or Ed, I'll talk about Ed. Ed, Ed uh, I, when, when um, anybody remember when things got really stupid during COVID and all the racists came out of the woodwork? Anybody remember that, remember that season? And I, anybody remember that or was it just me? Yeah. And, I would, and I was getting very angry. And I was... I was very angry on Facebook. I, I lost a lot of friends during that season. Well, I lost a lot of people I thought were friends during that season. Uh, I saw a funny Facebook meme. It says, oh, I'm not going to say that. And so Ed would, Ed, would, Ed would call me up and he'd say, Carl, how you doing? I'd be like, I'm good. He'd be like, um, uh, it's time to take that Facebook post down. I'm like, what, what, are you, what, what are you talking about? He's like, you sound a little angry there. I'm like, I am angry. He's like, yeah, that needs to be sanctified. That, 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 that ain't Christ. You're, you're not helping with that. I'm like, oh. Mm. and I'd have to delete it. I always be like, ah, oh. why? Because I want to grow. I want to be a better man. I want to have people in my life who can call me out. Amen. I've gone to people and been like, brother, I'm seeing something in your life. And they're like, well, you're the problem. Mm. Really? If I could control you, I would have you like mow my lawn, not you know, be angry at me. If I was in charge of you, I, there's more things I would do, not this. Like, this is, I am not your problem. Amen. Anybody with me? And so there's a discipleship that has to happen. And then once we have this, this healthy community of believers, and we have this discipleship, last one, last graphic if you would please, we have miraculous presence. This is what miraculous presence sits upon. And this is where we're going from here in this church. We're not having like adrenaline church where we like have a healing and then we never see the person again. Have a miraculous baptism and then we never see the people again. This is, that's not what we're doing. We are, we are baptizing people who want to be disciples of Christ, who are going to confess their faith in a moment. I sound, I hope I don't sound, do I sound angry? 
Am I okay? Okay, good, because I'm, I'm not. I, I want people to grow in Jesus. Watch this. Verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Worship team, come up. A sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. In that order, people got saved. Now, there were miracles leading people to salvation, right? So there are going to be miracles in the streets. So, I mean, yes, amen. People get healed, yes, amen. But then people were discipled. They committed themselves to the apostles. But what we're looking for is people to be in awe of God. And what we're seeing in the church today is people being in awe of the preacher. In awe of the church. But we don't see people in awe of God that much. This is what we're longing for. This is what we're longing for. And so we're going to have this healthy teaching where people are in awe of God. And in that awe, signs and wonders will take place at the hands of the, the people. Amen? Yeah, give it a, yeah, yeah, give a clap off if you would. And this is what we're inviting you into. We're inviting you into a community of faith. We're inviting you into a community of faith that believes that this life is different than the life out there. We're inviting you into a community of faith that is theologically rich and encourages people to grow in faith. We're inviting you into a community where people love one another. We're inviting you not just into this church, but the church the world over, but right here in Boca Raton, rejecting what the world wants for you and embracing what God has for you. I, I, I hope that you would individually accept this, but I, I hope communally, hope communally that you would decide, you know what? This is for me. This is for me. I'm called to something bigger. I'm called to something greater. I'm called to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Stand with me if you would. And what we're going to do at this point is we're going to worship Jesus for a song. And then we're going to have a water baptism while we're getting ready. Are you ready? Amen. Do you feel encouraged today? Amen. You just give a clap offering to the Lord and what he's done today. Ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for all these who are going to be baptized. We thank you for their lives. And we thank you for what you're going to do in them. And we pray that your spirit would be a part of it. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing.